Background. And action. Welcome to Tilted, a Lean In podcast. Each week we'll explore the uneven playing field, the gender bias that lurks in unexpected places, the impact it has on our everyday lives, and what happens when women lean in and start driving change. I'm your host, Rachel Thomas. For years, we've all heard how underrepresented women are in Hollywood, both on screen and behind the camera. But recently, it's felt like things might be changing. My kids and I cheered on the math whizzes and hidden figures, and then we did it again and again. Wonder Woman, directed by the amazing Patty Jenkins, killed it at the box office. And Big Little Lies, one of my personal favorites, became a cultural sensation. A show about women and our lives and our struggles and our friendships. All of this got me thinking. Are these one-offs, or is this a wave of real change in Hollywood, one that is terribly overdue? So I did what any new podcaster does, and I headed to L.A. to get the answer. And I even ended up on the set of Eva Longoria's new show, Grand Hotel. But more on that in a minute. My first conversation was with Stacey Smith. She's the founder of the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative at USC, and she studies the lack of diversity in films and TV. Stacy started by walking me through the numbers. Basically, there has been no progress when it comes to gender equality on screen. Across almost 50,000 speaking characters, females are less than a third of all speaking parts on screen. This is a very low bar that has to be crossed to be in our study. A character only has to say one word. So we're really seeing still an inclusion crisis on screen. And that wasn't even the worst of it. A few of the stats she shared were really just shocking. In 2017, out of 100 films, roughly a third, uh, featured a girl or woman driving the action. But if we were to think about women of color, only four films out of 100 had a woman of color at the lead. But we're just seeing erasure across groups, whether it's people with disabilities, LGBT, people of color, or girls and women. Wow, I knew it was bad, but I had no idea it was that bad. But it turns out the signs of progress I saw as a TV and movie lover myself were real. In fact, the more we spoke, I really realized Stacey's optimistic. In fact, she's more optimistic than she's ever been. Let's take a look at the top three movies of last year at the U.S. box office. Wonder Woman, Beauty and the Beast, and Star Wars. All three have something in common. They have a female character really at the heart of the entire story. And Stacey's even more optimistic about what's happening on the small screen. What's really fantastic with this explosion of streaming services, there are so many more opportunities. So I think most folks are looking to television, particularly in this time of, of renaissance for storytelling on the small screen. And, and that's really, I think, where the future is headed. I think there's a lot to be hopeful for and look to. And a new day may just be around the corner, which it's even odd for me to say that out loud. But all of these factors are lining up, and it may just be enough to create a sea change. 
And I was thrilled to hear that Stacey thinks women are a big part of this change. When you have a female director, you're more likely to have girls and women on screen. You're more likely to have girls and women at the center of a story. You're more likely to have racial and ethnic diversity on screen. One of the the quickest ways to change in the entertainment industry is to simply hire more female directors. But we need more female showrunners, right? From a variety of different backgrounds telling stories. My next stop was Reese Witherspoon's production company, where I sat down with the women creating shows with women at the center of the action. We are here today in the beautiful offices of Hello Sunshine, and it is warm and sunny outside, so I definitely feel like I'm in L.A. Today I'm chatting with Lauren Levy Neustadter, head of film and TV at Hello Sunshine. Hi! Liz Tigelar, the showrunner of Casual on Hulu, and of the upcoming miniseries Little Fires Everywhere, which everyone in my office can't wait for. And she's previously written for shows like Nashville, Revenge, and Brothers and Sisters, so so excited to have you. Thank you. And last but certainly not least... We're also joined by Nichelle Tramble-Spellman, the showrunner of Are You Sleeping, which is now in production and will air on Apple TV. And Nichelle is also well-known for producing the hit show and one of my favorites, The Good Wife. Yes, one of my favorites, too. So thank you all so much for being here, ladies. Thank, thank you. you for having Thank you. So I don't know a lot about Hollywood, and I don't know how much our listeners know, but I know a lot of your projects are based on books. What do you look for in the story? Like, how do you know you've got a winner? Well, you feel it. For our company, we have specific things that we look for, right? For Reese, it has always been a woman at the center of every story, creating these extraordinary characters for women to bring to life and representing um, women in ways that they have not yet been represented on screen. So there's that. Um, With Hello Sunshine, we got a little bit clearer in terms of what makes it Hello Sunshine, right? So... One of the things is we want these women to be heroes of their own stories in unconventional ways. Um, So that is something that we always look for. Another thing that we really want is an element of hope. So even if it isn't a bright, shiny piece, where's the hope? This content, it shouldn't just be for women. It should speak to women, but it should speak to everyone. What is a showrunner? Well, I kind of think of it as a general. It's just the person at the top of the chain that's marshalling all the troops. You're kind of surprised by how many troops there are. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More? Yeah. <laughs> and then how much do you shape the vision of the show? Completely shape yes. the vision of the show. And of course, that's your job. And, and I can remember the first time I did it, after having been on staff, being up at the board, looking around and having no idea... That's actually a moment I think that almost everybody has. I remember sitting with Lauren and our other partner, Kristen, and we were talking with the line producer for the show, and he asked a question. There was silence, and then I looked up, and Kristen and Lauren were looking at me, and I looked behind me. And I was thinking, (laughs) well, who's going to answer that? (laughs) And Lauren went, (laughs) made a hand gesture like, it's you. And I was like, Yeah, it is. And it was just like this moment of like panic and then elation. So before you were showrunners, I know you were both writers as well. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like 
as a woman and maybe Nichelle, in your case, as a woman of color in the writer's room? Well, I had started off on a show that was had four female leads called Women's Murder Club. And my first bosses were Liz Craft and Sarah Fain, who are still really good friends and mentors. And so it was the perfect entry into this business, frankly. And I went to other rooms that had female showrunners. When I went to Good Wife, it was Robert and Michelle King. So I had an experience of having shows that had female leads, really strong women in the room. So I didn't have that really bumpy entry point. You know, there have been points here and there where you kind of have to remind people, well, the the women on the show have a point of view. Can we talk about that? Can she not just be the wife wringing her hands at home, wondering what her guy's out doing there out in the big bad world? But I think that it wasn't up for debate in the room. And then I made a decision early on to not go to shows where I thought that that was a problem. And it was a bold choice and uh, certainly a crazy choice sometimes when I was broke and needed to go on a show. (laughs) But if the offer was coming from a place where it was known to not be that friendly or to be combative or just to be an awful room, then I turned it down. So I think I entered a little later than most people. So I came to the decision-making with um, a little bit of life's too short. And do you think that's a pretty rare experience that you had? Yes. My agents were furious. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When I said no to a couple of things, it was a Sunday afternoon call, which you rarely get. And they were like, walk me through your thought process. And I was like, he's a jerk. (laughs) I'm not going to go work for him. I entered the business in my early 20s and definitely had a lot less choice so I kind of lucked out with a great first experience that was that encompassed everything that a writer's room is. You know, it was fun. It was dark. People laughed. People really cried, including me. I mean, it was there was a lot of drama. And as I progressed in my career, I have moved into a lot of rooms that have been all women or mostly women. But I do have to say, as I've moved into rooms that have had a lot of women, my experience has been really different and positive. So, (laughs) Just because I think it's a really interesting thing to explore because you both staffed your rooms. And so if you guys could speak about what it was when you had a blank slate and you could hire anyone, how did you assemble that team? What what were you looking for? What was most important to you? The first thing that was important to me was talent on the page. I needed to read writing samples that spoke to me in some way. So it was like talent, reputation, and then a chemistry test. And then from there, it was like uh, moving pieces on a chessboard to try to assemble the group that would work really well together. Up until recently, I don't think I had been in a room or staffed a room that I could say was truly diverse in all ways. And having been in a room that was, even for a short time, The impact of being in that room was so dramatic and the value was like nothing I had experienced and it completely changed my approach to staffing. And I mean, it's a naive thing to say because of course that's obvious, but when you haven't been sitting in a room like that for all these years, you you don't know. So one of the things is someone who's coming from outside the industry, what does it feel like? Like, how is it different when you get this beautifully diverse and inclusive writing room? Like, what happens? How is it different? How are the decisions made? And what I'm, like, most interested in, how do you think it changes what, like, we're watching at home in our living rooms? 
I would say I think little fires everywhere. I mean, just the way that you put that room together and the fact that for us always this was a show, it was a book that inspired conversations about race and class. You were unbelievably intentional in terms of staffing that room with a goal, toward a goal of having people come to the same conversation from very different places. Absolutely. Part of the reason that Little Fires expanded was because I've noticed a tendency in the room that you get, you know, this writer to be this voice. Your gay writer is going to be your gay voice, and your black writer is going to be your black voice, and your Asian writer is going to be your Asian voice, and your whatever else. And when I met people for the show— Everybody had such a vastness of things that they could bring to it. And I didn't want any one person to feel like they were the one thing on this show. I wanted each person to feel like they had three or four or five or 20 things that only they could bring to this show. And yes, a lot of those things will overlap. So so that was very intentional. It's incredibly inspiring to hear about your experiences. I mean, you're all clearly like amazing and strong, you know, talented, collaborative women. I worry a little that people listening might be getting a bit rosier sense of kind of what it is really like here in Hollywood. Oh, so, I mean, I can tell so, you lots of crime, oh, no, no. misogyny. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stories for days. So, so all joking aside, like it's wonderful this is happening, but how special or unique is the experiences you're describing versus kind of what's typical. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It was funny because in in preparation for doing this, I was trying to kind of remember some things and think about things. And I was actually thinking about two pilots that I did. I was thinking about conversations I had had with men in either executive roles or producerial roles who kind of came to me at various times and said, you know, you just don't seem happy, that type of thing, you know? And on the first pilot, it was a situation where I had created the show. All these people had kind of gotten put on, you know, they were all in deals. So it was like, hey, this director has a deal at CBS. He's got to direct something. How about putting him on this? Or this person has this. And it wasn't necessarily a match of like passion for the project. And I remember feeling very much like, you know what? I'm not happy. Like, I've kind of taken, I was in my 20s, I'd kind of taken the attitude of like, um, I'm just so happy to be here. Like, I'm so grateful that this is happening and I am feel so young and, and my eyes are so big and I'm in Vancouver and I'm, and, and I'm on the set of my show, but it doesn't feel like my show. And all these decisions are being made by all these men that are 30 years older than me and nobody's asking me. And then when I'm confused or I'm questioning it, I'm not happy or I'm a problem. And it was really, really upsetting. I hate that it seems like it's all rosy because it's not, but I'm very, 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 very clear about what I tolerate and what I don't. And I'm very clear about what situations I want to be in. So, you know, being younger and starting this business as an assistant at one of the big agencies, that's that's a different Nichelle. Like, you know, there was crying and coming home at 11 o'clock at night and really crazy things being said all the time that I had to ignore, whether it was sexist or racist or this or that. And, you know, just having these conversations about how do I deal with this? And not being in an environment where the generation of women who were there at that time, because of what they had dealt with, 
Um, we're not as here. Let me give you a leg up. Let me help you with this. Let me tell you how to navigate it. They were all dealing with the fact that there was room for one. So if there was room for one woman, there was half a room for a black woman. So that was a very tricky situation. And it got the best of me, to be quite frank. I worked here for about four years and couldn't take it anymore. Um, Went back to the Bay Area where I'm from and went back to writing books. And then I lived in New York for a while, got a little older and was like, okay, I can handle this now. (laughs) Now, but it was like it it did. It absolutely took me out of the game. It just made me feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who I am. More importantly, I don't like who I feel like I have to be to be in this business. So I need to go home. So you mentioned in that one of the things that's so important to Reese is having, you know, a woman at the center of the story and a strong woman. So you were on the Mindy project. That a lot of this has to have started there for you. Can you tell me about that experience? I have to say, and I will try not to get emotional when I say it, um, it really changed my life. I mean, I Mindy Kaling is the most tremendous woman. She created a show with her name in the title um, that was so near and dear to her heart. And she worked so hard as a writer, as a producer of the show, as the star of the show. I mean, talk about, like, show running. I mean, she... every little casting decision that was made, how everything looked, the costumes, it was all coming through her prism. I mean, obviously she had an extraordinary team around her and truly the best in the business um, in terms of the people working on that show, but it was her vision. And she was so fearless. She was confident and collaborative, but always sure of where she was going. You are now the women running the show. So what difference do you think it makes having a woman in charge? Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> everything. I mean, first of all, women get shit done. And if you add mom on top of women, oh, amen. mom right. get shit done. I mean, nothing is worse than some dude who doesn't want to go home versus women. Women want to get in there. They want to get it done and they want to go home and they want to do the other things that they do in life that are equally, if not even way more important. Who have been mentors for you, male or female mentors? Just where do you learn how to do this? I just collected mentors along the way. Michelle King, who I worked with on Good Wife, gave me this really, really great piece of advice that I took into starting the show, where she said, when you start to do interviews, always make sure there's a man in the room. And I thought that was really odd. And she said, because if the person comes in to interview with you and they never look at you, and they only talk to the men in the room, that's going to tell you a lot about what the relationship and what it's going to be like going forward. And it was the best piece of advice ever. And Lauren sat in on quite a few meetings that I did for the show, and there were a few moments where we saw it. And she and I just mind-melded across the table like, okay, this is happening, right? And (laughs) We would just look at each other, (laughs) and it was like, okay. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, you know, Polite, my mother's daughter, kept it moving, and then they were gone, and it was like, And then they were gone. They were gone. (laughs) Yeah. For real. But it was like, I just sort of collect them. If I've loved you once, I love you always. So even if it's from 20 years ago, you may hear from me, and I'm like, hey, let me take you to lunch because you did this, this, and this for me, and it's helped me in this way. So a a wow moment for me, and, and it's a movie moment, but Wonder Woman did so well commercially, 
had a female director. Like it just felt like, again, as a consumer, that that was like a wow moment because for so long, I think we've been told women can't carry movies, women directors, they shouldn't have the big budgets, et cetera, et cetera. What have some wow moments been for you guys recently where you were like, the dam really is cracking? Well, Crazy Rich Asians is actually an amazing example because I was so excited about the movie, obviously, for macro reasons and then for micro reasons, just in that my friend was a co-writer of it and I was just so thrilled for her. Um, and it shot in, in her hometown where she grew up in Malaysia. And it was, it was just exciting. And so my wife and I played hooky from work one day to go see it. And we were so excited and just watching it. I mean, hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I just sobbed at the end. So you want to support something like that because it feels weighty and important and timely and like you must. But watching it, I was like, this is a fucking amazing movie. <laughs> like, this isn't a movie just to support because you should. Right. This is a movie that is, and, and it was It was just such a wonderful romantic comedy that felt like it had an amazing message. It was so well-written, well-acted, well-directed. And it just felt, I loved it. Last year, Black Panther came out, um, and that felt wonderful to see this big superhero movie, Wonder Woman. And then in TV, it was the shows that delved into the specificity of different worlds that had not been opened before, whether that was Master of None, which I loved, Atlanta, which is just brilliant, um, Insecure, where you see all these blue windows opening up, and you couldn't have told those stories five years ago. I also think— if it's less about the specific content and more about the moment, Mm -hmm. I think Time's Up and Me Too are, it has been a paradigm shift because what we have seen is women coming together to support one another and really doing so in a very public way. And I think it's been an ongoing conversation and a lot of what I have observed in terms of this sisterhood is that women are walking the walk and that they are standing up for one another and standing beside one another in a really gorgeous way and that there is the strength in numbers um, and accountability. And I think it's just, it feels like all of these films and these shows are so tremendous. Um, And I think Big Little Lies actually goes in Uh, the category with them. Absolutely. But I think that it's also just what's going on behind the scenes that is really revolutionizing the industry in a really, um, in an exciting way. What does it look like in 20 years? I guess what I hope in 20 years is that people are are continuing to stretch themselves and expand themselves and challenge themselves and, and prioritize everyone's stories, not because it's uh, the, the cool thing to do or the thing everyone's doing, but because it's so fundamentally important. Yeah, and I'm hoping that that movies and TV continue to steer the conversation with content in a way that 
it forces people to continue to have conversations with each other, even when they're on different sides of a point of view, different sides of the fence, and not just have a conversation about it, but actually listen to each other. If 20 years from now that Hollywood helped to steer everybody back to a more sane place, I'd love that. (laughs) Might be idealistic, but I'd love that. I think that what is most important is to be representing all types of characters, to be telling all types of stories. It's really about telling stories that will connect with people. And then, as Nichelle said, inspire conversation. I mean, I think that is so much of what we aspire to do. And, you know, and as you said, speaking and listening, and that we're creating great content as a result in all forms. Thank you, ladies. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you want more from Hello Sunshine, check out their podcast, How It Is. The new season just came out and is focused on values. The value of time, the value of money, and how we value ourselves. With some incredible guests like Roxanne Gay, Maria Menounos, and Abby Wambach. Check it out at applepodcast.com forward slash Hello Sunshine. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back to hear more from the women shaking up Hollywood. Okay, here we go. We're from the top. <clears throat> from the top, background does the exact same thing we've been doing. Here we the go. following morning, I found my way to the set of Eva Longoria's new show, Grand Hotel. There I chatted with Eva and her team between takes, literally between takes. In addition to Eva's voice, you'll hear the voices of Allison Kelly, director of photography, Michelle LaBruchery, first assistant director, and Ben Spector, Eva's business partner. And background. And action. So the one thing that, looking around, there's a lot of women working off behind the camera with you. Is it more than usual? Is this yes. typical? No. This is, uh, we have a couple unicorns on our set. Um, Allison's a unicorn. We rarely see a female DP. What's um, a DP? Director of photography. Yes. <laughs> She's a DP. I now know what a DP is. Cool. <laughs> I said, we have a female DP. She goes, what's a DP? <laughs> it was very important for me to have uh, women behind the camera. We have Michelle is our assistant director. I'm director. So we have a lot of women. We have female stunt coordinator, which is also pretty rare. So it's been fun crewing up with that perspective and that lens because that never happens when somebody goes, I want women and I want people of color. And action. There are three women standing behind, kind of controlling all the action, which is so amazing. Just to see three women huddled over the screens, watching all the action, kind of calling all the shots, directing everybody around is just really exciting. So it feels really different than I've only been on one other set, and it feels incredibly different than that. So how does it feel to have a female director-producer behind the camera? Okay. <laughs> um, it's amazing. You know, we developed the show for two and a half years, so she knew the show from, from the DNA of it. And um, she sort of rushed back from maternity leave. You'll see the baby coming in and out to I saw do this. pictures on social yeah. media, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, she, you know, she's, she's doing it all right now. She's, you know, breastfeeding on set and in between takes. And, um, but she's, like, one of the most prepared directors uh, I've ever seen because she comes in every day with every shot planned out. You know, we had one day uh, last week. It was a, on a location, and we did 95 different setups, which is, like, unheard of. 
And is the vibe on set different because there's so many women here behind the camera? Well, we made, it, it was really important to us when we put together the crew of the show that we had women at the top of every department. So, you know, a female DP is almost like a unicorn. They're really hard to find. They're, the good ones are always working. We have two female um, first ADs. Uh, Michelle's worked with Eva since she was a PA on Desperate Housewives. So um, it was really important to us that we had people we trusted and women because that sets, a, that sets a different tone. It's a better working environment for us. So we talked there's a lot more women behind the camera. Yeah. Why do you think that makes a difference in terms of what we see at home? I think that, you know, the lens in which you view life should be the lens in which we create entertainment. If we only have male directors, there's such a male perspective on on how you would walk upstairs, how you would deliver this scene, how you would give birth. If a woman's directing, she's a very different perspective as to what is important in this scene to show, to shoot, to hear, to feel. Um, and I think that's why you want women behind the camera, because it does make a difference of what goes on screen, which makes a difference in what people see, which makes a difference in how people consume media, which makes a difference on how people perceive women. Like It is a chain reaction. Same thing with people of color. Same thing with, like, you know, as, as a Latino, when all you see on the news is immigration and, and the vilifying of Latinos, people automatically assume Latino is synonymous with immigrants or Latino synonymous with illegal. And that's not the case, but that's because that's all we see. Then that's what people believe. We have a very big responsibility in, in the media to reflect society and its truth, I think. Wow. All right, ask me something else quickly. Hurry. Right. <laughs> so, no, no, no. As an actor, like, have you ever said, like, if a woman behind the camera I wouldn't be asked to do this or it wouldn't be happening this oh, way yeah. oh my god not, not only as a woman but as a person of color I've had somebody tell me could you be more Latino and I was like I don't know what that looks like because I am <laughs> so what do you mean do you want it angrier do you want it happier like that's not a an emotional direction for me to be can you be more sexy it's yeah, like you can be um, more yourself yeah Allison, do you have two seconds to say hi to the Lean In folks? I've heard you described as a unicorn twice. <laughs> so why is it so rare to have women in your role? Um, it's traditionally a, a men's role, but there are more and more of us women DPs. And um, it's just, it's, I think it took a long time for people to believe that women could run a set. Because when I run the crew, I have like 40 people on my crew. And they just would always ask me, well, can you do it? Can you boss everybody around? Also because it's just technical. It's like women doing any technical job okay, that so like... Assumption that of course a woman can't do a technical job. Yeah. yeah. So, and some of it was camera operating, but now I have operators. Where it was always like I would get asked in interviews, can you, can you hold that camera? Who, was, who were mentors to you then? Did you have mostly male mentors or was there a female mentor no, that kind I of... To, I came up in New York and I used to work with a DP named Ellen Curris who shot Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and a bunch of other stuff and she's great. Yeah. We're going to get out of your hair because I know you're super busy. <laughs> but I'm also curious, like, you were an actor. You know, or an actor and a really successful one. Like, was there an aha moment where you like, I got to no, get behind know, the camera? People always say that I was an actor turned director. I've always been a director turned actor. Really? A director and producer. I've always loved 
the business side of the business. And I felt like when I was acting, I wasn't using my full potential. And I was like, I could be doing so much more. And then I wanted to have final control of the product or control of the final product. Like, it, you know, just I didn't want to stand there and say my lines and not have a choice of what take they chose or who they cast as my husband or what music they lay under here. So it was, it was mostly because I wanted to control my own destiny in this industry. I think also, like, why, why become a director? I, I love creating content, but I love creating opportunities. I remember when I thought of telenovela, the show, it was just in my head. We hired a writer. They, they executed it amazing. And the sets were going up, and I was walking the sets with a friend of ours, Sean Cassidy, and the the all the construction people were working and painting and building, and 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 Sean goes, "Isn't this great? You had an idea, and now 300 people have a job." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I never thought of it that way. And same thing with this. Um, we we're trying to get the set finished by today, and it was 60 crew people here over the weekend, hammering and painting, and and it's cool to see people have jobs. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Are we yeah. taking this from the top? From the top. Which right. hopefully becomes the norm. I hope so. <laughs> I was saying, I was like trying to paint a picture that there's three women kind of huddled around. This yeah. But like, it shouldn't be that that's extraordinary. Right. Yeah. right? Like, I shouldn't have to be surprised by that. It was like the, it's the first show he's ever worked on and he's worked on for like 30 years on shows where there's a woman director and woman DP. First show? Yeah. Oh my god. That's so that's just why I wanted to take a Drawing picture. <laughs> it's like, like watching one of the, daily we should have had that <laughs> the, the, the flash from the 1800s like. Where's Helena too? I told her yeah. the female stunt coordinator too. It's kind of sad that it's not the norm yet in 2018. Yeah. That it's still a special thing. I mean, it is special, but like that it isn't just like, oh, of course. (laughs) As we were walking out, I got to spend a few minutes chatting back and forth with Eva's fearless assistant, Brenda Serpis. So, Brenda, I know you're just getting started in entertainment. You're Eva's assistant, which is an amazing way to get started, of course. You're a woman and a woman of color yourself. As you look to the future, how do you feel about where we are right now? I do feel very hopeful, and it's very exciting to be working in a year where all this change is occurring, and it's really exciting to be working for someone who is a prominent figure in that movement to change that for a more positive step towards diversity, so it's really great. It really does feel like a tipping point. It really does. It really does, so I'm very excited to see how far we can get and see how far we've come from that. Like Brenda, I think we may finally be at a tipping point in Hollywood. I know it's not a sure thing, and wow, do we have a long way to go to get to equality on and off screen. But I can't help but feel excited. Growing up, my favorite action heroes were Luke Skywalker and Indiana Jones. My son Gavin is 13. He has favorites too, but they're Katniss and Rey and Black Panther. The movies and shows we watch shape how we see the world, how we see each other, and even what we think is possible. This is not just about entertainment. The work Hollywood does reflects and shapes our culture. And the people I met really understand this, and they're passionate about it. They are the heroes of this story. Thank you for listening, and join us next week when we sit down with our own Cheryl Sandberg, Joanna Coles, Phoebe Robinson, and Sean Fennessy from The Ringer 
to answer men's questions about work, sex, and everything in between. This has been Tilted, a Lean In podcast, and I'm your host, Rachel Thomas. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Jordan Bell and Cheryl Morris. And special thanks to Katie Miserani, Ali Borer, and Megan Rooney from the Lean In team, and Laura Merritt Stitcher. Our engineers for this episode are Mike Dodge Weisskopf and Rob Huffman. And our music was composed by Casey Holford. <laughs>